Hello and welcome to another episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Did you know that one in five children have some sort of learning disability or attention issue in school? That's not just in certain states either. That's nationally, possibly worldwide. One in five children have a learning disability or an attention issue, and this can cause great challenges for many parents, schools, and especially the kids themselves. Well, a few years ago, a group of 15 nonprofit organizations came together to combine resources in order to support parents of children with learning disabilities and attention issues. They worked side by side with parents, educators, and medical experts to create a new website resource called understood.org. Their goal is to provide the best tools and information possible for parents to help their kids succeed in school and in life. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk to one of the parents who contributes to Understood.org, Amanda Morin. Amanda blogs about her experiences as a parent of three children, two of whom have learning disorders. She also has an extensive background in education and special education advocacy, which gives her a unique perspective on the challenges that children with learning disorders can face. Amanda, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to have the opportunity. Thank you. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background. You have a degree in education. You're an early intervention specialist, a special education advocate, and you're an author. You've completed special education law and advocacy training, and you're the parent of three children, two who have special needs. Where do you get the time? You know, you say it out loud like that, and I get tired, actually. <laughs> I can believe it. Well, you know, you're like the third person to ask me this question in the past week or so. Um, and there actually, there's sort of multiple answers to the question. The first, I think, is important to, to note is I do have a degree in education, and I am trained as an early intervention specialist, but I'm not in the classroom anymore. So that, that takes that equation out of it, um, just because I couldn't do everything at the right. same time. Um, and then I think one of the more honest answers to that is I don't often stop to think about how much I'm doing because when I stop to think about it, that's when I get overwhelmed and I come to a sort of this complete standstill. Right. Um, I also have sort of a chronic insomnia thing going on and do some of my best work at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that helps. But I think more importantly, you know, that the part of having two children with special needs and the fact that I'm a special ed advocate, it all sort of comes together. Um, and part of what I've done is built a really good support system. You know, I have my own personal village or community, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is an incredibly involved parent. He picks up a lot of those day-to-day parenting responsibilities, which I think is huge in, in giving me some time. But it's also like this larger community of other parents and professionals, and they understand why I do what I do and how difficult it can be to raise kids with special needs, and it really makes it easy for me to take the time. There's always someone I can turn to or lean on when I need the answer to a question or if I need to find a specialist for one of my children. Um, the special ed advocacy community is amazing. I mean, they're so amazing to work with. There are so many grassroots groups. They're dedicated advocates and all of these people who are willing to take on the work that I don't have time to do or willing to answer questions for parents when I refer them. And one of the things that's really neat about sort of working with understood.org, which I started doing well before it launched, so I've been with Understood for about two years, mm-hmm. we've been live for six months now, is that it's actually been an amazing support to me in a way I didn't actually expect. You know, I'm one of the experts and writers, and I sort of thought that I would be providing community to other people. 
but the groups and community there have given me a community that I didn't expect. So, you know, there are like so many parents who have stories and advice to share. You can ask questions. It's safe. There's no judgment. And I've really benefited from all the other experts who are there. They have, you know, events, and I feel like I can reach out and ask questions of these leaders in their field. Um, and it makes me feel energized, and that helps a lot. Getting everything done is to feel like you love what you do makes a huge difference. Right. Um, That's great. Yeah. In fact, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask, um, do you know, have, do you have any of the uh, initial uh, uh, background on how Understood came together? Because that's just, uh, I've, I've been taking a look at it over the last few weeks, and I think it's just an amazing site. Well, yes, I actually do. So Understood um, has been a couple of years in the making, and what it is is it's an um, online digital resource and community for parents of kids with learning attention issues, and it was put together by 14 nonprofits organizations, so you, um, and I'm, I'm going to miss some of them if I list them out, but I can mm-hmm. say it's like the National Center for Learning Disabilities, Common Sense Media, um, uh, the Learning Disabilities Association of America, and then some foundations and other people, and I apologize to the partners I can't remember right. off the top of my head. And what it was is it was sort of this opportunity to sort of unite the best thoughts in this field and provide parents with a resource they didn't have before. So it was um, sort of a lot of research. There was a lot of surveying that went into what parents are looking for and what kind of information they're looking for. And then there was a lot of research as to what information is out there already. And so we built this community. It has like over 2,000 pieces of content, which are like checklists and articles and um how-tos and all these things in a way and then tools that you can use, too, to get personalized information to help you with what's going on in your home. And the point of it is to provide sort of all these information options to parents. There's a lot of information out there. A lot of it's medicalized. And, I, you know, I'm sure you've seen that. You come across a lot of medicalized information. And when oh, yeah. you're first starting out as a parent, it's so hard <laughs> to sort through that to find practical advice. Yeah, and Right, and not only that, but then you have to figure out, does this actually apply to my child, or is this just a broad overview? Exactly, and I have that experience as a parent, too, many, many times. I, you know, there are some choice words I've yelled at my computer over the years that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and so I think that the goal, one of the goals was understood, was to bring that information to parents in a parent-friendly way, in an actionable manner, so they can actually say, okay, so my kid has reading issues, what could that mean? Or, my child's just been diagnosed with dyslexia, what what are my next steps? So it comes in at wherever you're you are as a parent on this journey, and it can walk you through sort of options of where to go and things to do at home. And I and I think it's been it's been such a success. It's been such a success because it's something that filled a need that wasn't there yet. Um, and I'm actually I'm so proud to be a part of it. And as a parent, I'm so glad it's here because there were days when I was working on the site before we launched that I was you know I was supposed to be writing and working and I was just like reading everything everybody else had said because I was thinking this is going to be really helpful to me in my home. <laughs> Right, well, that's Two. when you know you're in a good site. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, when did you, um, you know, you have a blog and you, uh, you've you been writing about your experiences as a special needs parent for a long time. Why did you decide to start that and when was that? So, you know, I started writing about this around the time my middle child, who's now, he's almost 13. He was in second grade, I think, and we were having just such a hard time. We didn't have the support he needed in school, and he was anxious and upset all the time. And, you know, I'd been a parenting and education writer for a long time, but I didn't talk much about my experiences um, to parenting a child with special needs. And at the time, he was our only child who had special needs. 
um, our, our other one is much younger. Mm-hmm. And, and so at that time, you know, I was telling you, I feel like we, I felt like we're the only family in the world going through these struggles mm-hmm. in our home and in school. And that's exactly the reason I started writing about it. At some point, I realized, you know, we can't be the only person out there trying to figure this out. Right. And I thought maybe the one of the reasons I felt like that is because so few people were talking about it publicly. There were forums here and there, but there wasn't a huge sort of overview of parents like me out there. So we hit this particularly low point, really low point. My son was put in a residential hospital school setting for a little bit Mm. because he was having such trouble. Um, And at one of the time I was writing, at that time, one of my contracts, I was writing for Circle of Moms, which is now Pop Sugar Moms, it's been acquired. And I said to my editor, you know, I can't just keep writing this. If you do this, you'll be okay. Parenting advice. I just couldn't do it anymore. I told her I needed to talk about the other side of it. And she was wonderful. And she said, if you need to do that, do that. And so I did. I started writing about our experiences, and I just never stopped. But now see, now we've come to this place in our lives, and I feel like I can start writing that, if you do this, life will be easier kind of thing. Right. But I never say to parents, this is what you do, and it'll make it work, right. because I don't agree with that. I don't think that happens. No. Um, and and I think, you know, like, like I had said before, that's, that's one of the cool things about understood is we give parents options and choices, but we're never saying to them, here's the right thing to do. Right. Um, well, there is and no, so I, it, yeah, there is yeah. no automatic cure for any of this. I mean, exactly. it's, it's a lifetime situation, and it's learning how to adapt. Right, and it, it, it morphs over time, too. You know, what you're seeing today may not be what you see uh, two years from now. Exactly. Um, and it's complicated, and I just felt like people needed to be talking about it, so they didn't feel isolated anymore. That is absolutely wonderful. Now, you've uh, you've made a comparison about being a special needs parent to the game of Calvin Ball from the Calvin and Hobbes comic strip of the 1990s. Now, I'm a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes, too. And when I thought I thought when I read that, I thought your comparison was perfect. Can you tell the listeners about Calvin Ball and why it's so much like being a special needs parent? Sure. I wrote that for um, Finding 90, which is a great site for parents with special needs. She has this really neat um, feature where people guest blog for her. And I wrote it, and at first I thought, nobody's going to know what Calvin and Hobbes is. But I was surprised how many people did. <laughs> I love Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> so, Calvin Hall, so Calvin Ball is this game that the boy and his tiger play. And like the only rules of the game are that there are no rules of the game and that the rules can never be the same, right? right. <laughs> Which is really complex, right? And when you're parenting a child who doesn't follow sort of those expected passive development, it's sort of like there are no rules that you can apply. You know, the, the rules you thought you knew, they don't apply anymore. You have to make up your own rules if you're going to manage life. And so, and then I realized that as a parent of more than one child with learning attention issues, the rules that I have for one of them doesn't work for the other one. So it feels like Calvin Ball all the time. You know, the rules or lessons you learned worked for one child, won't necessarily be the same for the next one. And what worked last week may not work this week. So it's Calvin Ball in like all of these ways. Um, and it's it's a really humorous way to get through parenting kids with special needs for right. me to think, okay, this is Calvin Ball, and it's just going to continue to be. Um, and actually, our kids use that phrase now, too, which is hilarious. They talk about life being Calvin Ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've done my job well as a parent that they know <laughs> Calvin Ball. That's great. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I heard a comparison once, too, a while back where they said, we always say that each child is unique, but when it comes to education, we expect them all to be exactly the same. Uh, yeah, I think that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, I think it's something we all need to work on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so, yeah. okay. Well, you have two books that are really great resources for parents of special needs kids. They're part of the Everything Guides, and your books are the Everything Parents Guide to Special Education and the Everything Kids Learning Activities book. Can you give us a quick overview of each book? Because I think they're really good. Well, thank you. Sure. I actually have a third book coming out in July. Ah, okay. Well, let's plug them all. (laughs) (laughs) That one's On the Go Fun for Kids, and it's 250 quick activities you can do with your child to fill sort of those gaps in time, like when you're waiting in line at the store, or you're traveling, or when they're home for snow days, which I live in the Northeast, and there were tons of them this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We Um, had that last year. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's really something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the Everything Kids Learning Activities book. Is my, was my first book. It's um, 145 activities to support your child's learning. So it's sort of like lesson plans for parents, and it's ways to incorporate learning into daily life, so things like kitchen math and learning how to use teachable moments. And most of the activities only use things you'd have around the house anyway or don't require materials because there's nothing worse than going to do an activity and realizing you have to go buy $40 worth of materials to do it. I, right. Oh, I can't even... I can't even deal with those. But so there there are activities for reading, writing, math, science, and social studies. And instead of being divided by age, they're all divided by the skills that they practice because I'm hugely aware of the fact that not not all kids obtain skills at the same age. So you can look it up by what skill your child's working on and find sort of fun activities. So so it doesn't feel like you're you're another school in your house that you're you're just learning. Yep. The Everything Parents Guide to Special Education is a little more serious book, I think. Not that the other two aren't serious, but it deals with a more serious issue. And it's it's um, the subtitle of it is A Step-by-Step Guide to Advocating for Your Child with Special Needs. And that's exactly what it is. I take parents through from the very beginning of where they think their child might have a learning issue to what happens next, what the um, evaluation process looks like, all the sort of acronyms and initialisms that you might hear along the way, how you can advocate, how to set up records, sort of these pieces that we don't think about. Um, For me, I had the advantage of knowing the special education system when I was doing it with my child, and I still was overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. And I would go home and think, wow, there are so many people who don't understand this, and they must be even more overwhelmed. So Mm -hmm. my, my goal was to give them... Um, a book that empowers and teaches and helps them feel confident in going into meetings and um, advocating for what's in the best interest of their child. And it's been very successful, and I'm very proud of that. That's absolutely wonderful. I mean, because, uh, you know, like I say, I've seen, I've seen your books. Uh, I am in the process of uh, going to get at least one or two of them. Yeah. And, of course, when the third one comes out, we'll have to look at that one, too. Uh, they're definitely <laughs> great, though. And I, I love the fact that it's written for all kids, though it does take into account the skill set, because I think that's key. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's important, because you can have kids who, um, you know, when you have multiple children, they can be working on the same skills, even though they're at different ages, too. So that, that makes life a little bit easier, too. Well, I was going on to the uh, advocacy part of uh, what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you found that parents have when they're faced with the realization that their kids are going to need special education help in school? That's a really interesting question, and I think it varies from parent to parent. Um, one of I think uh, one of them I think comes from where you, what your experience of special education was when you were a child or in school, and I think parents are always very afraid that their their children. Some parents, let me let me qualify that. Some parents are very afraid that their children are going to be placed in a classroom that's away from everybody else. Right. You know that, that special education means you're 
in that classroom down the hallway and nobody sees you until recess time. Right. And I think the other the other misconception is the fact that 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 it can provide a label for your child, you know, um, and I do think that there's some validity to worrying about that only because in order to qualify for special education services, your child has to have an educationally determined diagnosis, right. which which I think can feel a lot like a label to mm-hmm. parents, and they worry about that. They worry how it's going to affect their children's lives. They worry about how people are going to react to their child if they know sort of that diagnostic information before they know the child. Mm-hmm. And I think that they worry that their kids aren't going to get the most appropriate program that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that goes in many different ways. You know, I worried about that with my own kids. I still worry about it, to be honest with you. Right. Um, you know, I, I think, I also think that um, parents are not as aware of the fact that there's a lot of push towards inclusive education, which means everything's done in the general education classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of a best practices kind of thing. And it's slow going in some school districts, but it's becoming more prevalent. And I think that knowing that can sort of ease that mind a little bit. I also think like parents of kids who have learning attention issues, which would be sort of learning disabilities and ADHD, may not realize that special education help doesn't have to be a special teacher or a specialized, you know, one-on-one. It can just be sort of accommodations in the classroom, right. little changes to the environment to make sure your child's obtaining all the information he needs to the best way he can. Um and so I think it's really important to know that the, the special education is so individualized that what you're looking at for one kid isn't necessarily going to be what you're looking at for your child. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough road, though. Oh, yeah. Definitely a tough road. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the stigma that people talk about. But the interesting thing is, as you get going into the process, at least for us, we've noticed that most people are like, oh, he just needs a little extra help. Oh, OK. How's he doing? You know, right, we, we don't really hear any, oh, that's terrible. You know, you must be so sad, you know, which is what our fears were when we got involved with it. Of course, of course. And I, I think that goes back to the sort of, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to even ask how old you are because that's such a weird question to ask. Right. But I know that my experience of when I was in school, that was much more true. There was much more of a stigma. There was much more of a, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just like, oh, cool, good. And mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, do you think my child needs that help too? How do I get that book? Right, yeah. Or they'll say, you know, well, how do, how do you find out about that? Because I've been worried about my child. Right, and you do right. get a lot of that. Well, you know, the thing is, parents really still, even with all the information out there, it's hard to filter what's right and what's wrong. And then to know what is available in a school district too or where to even look, that is a, right. a lot of the battle. Right. And actually, one of those things, I would actually point parents I understood for, for some of that stuff, because we not only have um, information about all the different learning issues, but we have a huge section on um, your child's rights and going through the evaluation process. And I happen to know a lot of it's very good. <laughs> I've written a lot of it. And I know that our writers are fantastic, too. Um, you know, we have information about how you get that started. Um, right. and, it, and like even in flowchart form and, and quiz form and all of those kinds of things. Um, because it's hard. You don't know. And I think that's a huge, really good point is that um, parents don't know because schools aren't always saying anything. And I don't think schools aren't saying anything because of any deliberate harm intended. I think it's just it doesn't come up in typical conversation unless you finally say, I'm worried about my child. What happens now? Um, Well, and I think by law, some school districts can't mention that sort of thing. Or they can they can offer suggestions. They can say, we've noticed that your child has difficulties with this. Yes. Have you considered? Yes. 
And then uh, it's up to the parent, though. A parent still has to make a lot of these decisions, and they're often, you know, they've never encountered it before. They don't know where to go, and they, they really are at a loss to determine what to do. And it's so emotional, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you know <laughs> that feeling. And, and, you know, as a parent, you have sort of all these just mixed feelings like, is this something that I've done? Is this something I contributed to? Did I not notice it soon enough? All of these sort of things tied up in it we still get that and i have uh, that all the time yeah yeah and our kids are older just like yours and we're yeah we're just what 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 happened (laughs) you know I feel like that more days than I should admit. <laughs> right. The nice thing, though, is that our kids, our, our child who has the difficulties has pretty much been able to cope, and he's just kind of like, I don't see what the problem is. But, you know. That's great. My, this... my, my, child, my child is now there, and it's a delight mm. to watch that. Except right. for the fact that it's early teenagerhood in a little way, too, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. We're, ours, is, uh, ours is headed that way as well. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, uh, along those questions, how important do you think it is for parents of special needs kids to try and get to know the other parents of special needs kids in their schools and in their neighborhood? I think it's huge. Um, And I say that also admitting that I'm sort of a, um, you know, I don't come across as one, but I'm sort of an introvert by nature. That's really hard for me. I think it's really huge to have a community. You know, as I said at the very beginning, that's what gets me through is having a community, having people who are maybe a little bit further down the road than you are. So if you're just starting out and saying, oh, where do I go now? Mm-hmm. Being able to reach out and have a group of parents who said, oh, we've done this and you're going to be okay. Um, right. Or we've done this and here's the roadblock you might want to look out for or any of those things. And I think it just gives you an opportunity to realize that there are more people out there like you than there aren't. You know, so when we talk about kids just just even with learning and attention issues, not even other disabilities. It's like one in five children. And so one in five children, think of how many people that is in your kid's school alone, right? And, of course, the school can't give out the information of who those parents are, but right. you can you can find them. You know, you can oh, find yeah. them. There are often special education PTAs that are around. There are support groups. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, Understood has a neat little tool, too, where you can um, search for people in your zip code who are members so you can oh, find great. people and connect. If you have an account, you can connect. It's it's um, it's, it's not um, it's not public, you know. So you're not looking at this and going. Now these people are all from this area. It's, it's, you do it behind the scenes. Right. Um, I think it's a huge thing. I and I think it's um, I think even when you're connecting with other parents, it's important to kind of keep in mind that their experience is different than yours, also, mm-hmm. um, because special needs is such a broad term. You know, your child needs might be different than another child's needs, but it doesn't mean that you don't have something in common with right. their parents. It's big. It's a big deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and the idea that, you know, they have what they say is the individualized education plan. That mm-hmm. means yeah. that the kid is supposed to get the help they need exactly, or at least close to exactly what right. they need, right. or as best as the school district can provide. And so, uh, but, you know, and even if you have a situation where your parents uh, may, the kids may have a different disorder or problem than your child does, they can still get you to the right people in the school district that can Absolutely. help. Absolutely, Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's really key, too. And I think it's good, you know, to some degree, sometimes I think it's good for kids, too, to have um, the idea that they're not the only kid in the world going through this, too. Right. You know, whether or not your child becomes best friends with the kid down the road who is also in... Um, a special education program, 
it's still helpful for him to know there are other kids in special education programs. Right. There are other kids who are going to be saying to the teacher, hey, can you give that to me in written form because I'm having trouble following your your you know, your verbal directions or whatever, just because it's, I always feel like it's really important to teach kids to be their own advocate from a very young age. I'm always keeping in mind, and it's really hard for me, but I'm always keeping in mind that down the road, my child's going to have to be doing this for himself. You know, there's going to come a point where I can't, I can't protect him from everything. And so right. I need to teach him to start asking those questions on his own. Um, and I think, when you have a group of parents who are all in the same situation, it gives you the strength to start doing that. Start right. start knowing that there are other people out there who will also help and protect your child. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Self advocacy is the key because you know I, I was talking to someone about uh, college and the child or the student or the adult at that point. They're expected. Yeah, they're expected to advocate for themselves. Their parents are not allowed to be part of the process. Right. Right. My first child, my oldest child, started college this year, and mm-hmm. it has been, well, she's almost finished with it. Holy cow. She almost wow. finished with her first year of college. <laughs> and I, and that's such, a, that's such a strange experience to step back and just trust that your child's doing it for themselves. So you need to trust that you're putting the foundation in place for that to happen. Right. Um, and many parents I know are very good at it, and many parents I know are, are just struggling to figure out how to do that. And um, I would encourage parents to start taking kids to IEP meetings. As, as long as they feel comfortable, even just for five minutes. So um, so the team can remember that this is a real child you're talking about. I think that gets lost in translation sometimes. So, you know, just little things like that can make a big difference, too. So um, you are a contributing writer to Understood.org. Uh, yeah. You are uh, also a writer for Parenting Special Needs Magazine, which is another really great resource, and you have your books and everything else. How do people connect with you and uh, find out more about what you're doing? laughing only because I feel like I'm everywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also, I'm actually uh, reluctantly, but very competently um, all over social media too. So people connect with me a lot on Twitter. I'm just, I'm really simply at Amanda Morin, which is my name. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have a professional Facebook page. So I do a lot of sort of connecting between that. Um, I did a lot of writing for various other outlets. I wrote for education.com at one point. Um, like I even mentioned, Circle of Moms. So I'm pretty much sort of where parents live, I end up there. Um, and it's sort of unnerving sometimes to see my face. <laughs> but I'm really happy to talk to parents. You know, I think it's really important. I do a lot of expert events for understood.org where parents can leave questions and do a live chat kind of component. Um, I sort of feel like we've made it through this journey a little bit on our own, mm-hmm. and I want to give back. So I'm always around wherever people need to look for me. And I also have my own site, which is everythingspecialed.com. And I don't blog that much, but I can be reached through it. So that's helpful, maybe. And I just, I always want parents to know that I, I'm one of them. (laughs) You know, I'm not just, I'm not just writing about it. I'm living it too. My thanks again to Amanda Morin for joining me on this episode of Special Parents Confidential. And as we mentioned, we have links to Amanda's blog and social media sites, as well as a link to understood.org on the page for this episode. And as always, a reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any episode we've done, please share our site with your friends, family, and all your connections on social media sites. You can do this easily with the social media buttons on our website. 
Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on Google+, or Tumblr, LinkedIn, and any of the other social media sites. You can also sign up for our email service and have new posts and podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox the moment they're available online. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you have a moment, feel free to write a review about our podcast there. Anything you can do to help spread the word about Special Parents Confidential will help us be able to continue these podcasts. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.